Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Jackson trying to escape and run for it, and he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. And with 1.17 left to play on Wild Card Weekend, the Hayes in the Barn. Oh, my God. I wish you guys could. I wish we had a camera in here so you could see what we're doing. We're just a bunch of <laughs> clowns in here. <laughs> How much fun is that? This is not Jake Luke, but I can hit you with the all right. It is Friday, September 17th. My name is Spencer Schultz. I am joined by Juan Vasily Laricos as Jakey Boy is away on business. I had some business on Monday as a Monday game was a little difficult, so I haven't gotten to talk to you guys, but Jake did a great job with a little solo pod and, and some great thoughts and feelings there. I know. Uh, Vaz, you said, you know, Jake did a great job as well. So we, we think Jakey Boy killed that solo app. And I don't think there's been too many of those in our history. But yeah, so shout out to Jake. He'll be back. He was in Chi-Town on a little business. And it's sad boy season, as Jake likes to say. Ravens again are without Ronnie Stanley, who came back to practice, if I'm not mistaken, August 8th or 9th and was limited ends up being full there you know you've got good hope he has a couple gets beat a couple times there Yannick Ngakwe got the best of him for two reps but ultimately good old JLC Jason Lockhamfora comes in and says that Stanley is going to be out this week and could potentially miss some time he's weighing some options and things as he definitely didn't look like his same self I don't, I don't think he was awful on uh, on Monday but he definitely lost more reps than he usually ever does so sad boy season there Alejandro Villanueva kicks over to left tackle and Patrick McCarry coming in at right tackle Vaz how you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling all right, but it's tough. I think the injuries have potentially reached critical mass. The Ravens up against these top teams, they're right there with them talent-wise before all these injuries, maybe a half step behind the best of the best, but you start losing key guys and uh, there's there's really no way to to, to replace them or come, around, come out of it, but we will see how they rebound. This team's built on adversity. John Harbaugh thrives on adversity, so looking forward to the rest of the season, although they have put a damper on the beginning for sure. Right on, spot on. Harbaugh does love that good and whatever, all those mantras that he has over the years and all that stuff is interesting nonetheless I don't know how many teams are without two pro bowlers currently Marcus Peters out and uh, it's just difficult because you pile up all these injuries early on you say okay well this guy's gonna have to come in this guy's gonna have to come in and even a guy like Chris Westry who additionally has a lateral meniscus tear now 
that is not a season ending injury, but it's really hard to come back from that in the same season, knock the rust back off. Uh, you know, it's not the same injury, but Anthony Averett, for example, last year breaks his collarbone when he's having a strong start to the season, in my opinion, didn't quite play quite the same. You, you lose football shape. There's activities you can't do. Uh, you got a rebound. So another brutal loss there. The Ravens are reportedly looking at Buster Screen, who's been a longtime slot man journeyman around the NFL, played in for the Bears for quite a bit, I believe. Uh, but yeah, the, the difficult part not only is, of course, KC coming to town, which we're going to touch on in a preview, but once you make it to that, you know, especially with a, a pre-buy, you get you're piling on games, you got fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth game in there. And guys are going to get banged up. It's, it's not going to stop. The injuries aren't going to stop. So to be without two all pros right now, to be without two, you know, good running backs, to be without Ronnie Stanley, it's just a lot. To me, those it's, are the real the real heaters right now. It's just, and not only that, are they the most injured team, but they're cluster injuries, the same positions, all three running backs. In the cornerback, you lose Peters, you lose Westry, Jimmy Smith still working his way back. We'll see if he can suit up this week. That would be big. Tavon Young still working his way back. Then you lose offensive tackle depth. And at the same time, Nick Boyle's out, who does a lot to help the uh, offensive tackle. So it's a tough situation, but um what else can you do but uh, keep playing the games and, and put your best foot forward? You never know what's going to happen. Ryan Mallett beat the Steelers uh, about five years back, so any given Sunday. Right on. And it is, uh, I mean, you, you know, it's not all gloom and doom, but you're exactly right. Those clusters, having it all happen in the same kind of facets of the football, the same areas, you know, Nick Boyle would really help right now as someone who could keep in line, keep a sixth in. Now you're talking about possibly dedicating, you know, Tomlinson, Ricard, all those guys. Uh, so it's it's definitely a really tough situation. Hopefully the Ravens are able to get a lot of these guys back. And you touch on Jimmy Smith. That's the scary part about that cornerback room right now for me is that Tavon Young and Jimmy Smith are two of your kind of four healthy corners that you've had throughout training camp. And Jimmy's not healthy. Jimmy's never healthy. Tavon Young has missed more time than he's played in the NFL. So you're basically hanging on by a thread when you're talking about two guys that have suffered injury after injury and can't stay out of the trainer's room. I mean, it's not their fault. They're not bad people for it. It's just the the facts that are there. Tavon Young always misses time. Jimmy Smith always misses time. Makes it difficult. Jimmy Smith would have made things a lot easier, you know, if they had him in Las Vegas. But we did want to touch on the, the Raiders game just a little bit. I know Jake did a great job, but went back, watched all the film. We've been able to digest that, chew it up for a couple days now. It was a Monday game, so things happen a little late. I think I'm going to start trying to squeeze in some Tuesday or Wednesday episodes just to do recaps where we've had a chance to watch the film and things of those moving forward. But just had a couple, a couple notes jotted down here. First thing was the blitzing. And I think there was a lot of narratives and especially during the broadcast about, you know, the cover zero and uh, how much Wink is blitzing and all these things in the first half. And really the first three quarters, they kept Derek Carr guessing sports info solutions has Carr one for six on seven dropbacks through the first three quarters, the blitz was working. The Ravens blitzed on a total of, I think, 18 snaps out of Carr's 56 dropbacks, and they got pressure on 60% of them, which was tied for the most of any blitzing team. Uh, so there was a lot of narratives about this blitzing and Derek Carr and, and why do you keep blitzing and veteran quarterbacks beat the blitz, and it really came down to three plays for me uh, against the blitz. It was Derek Carr throwing up a prayer to Brian Andrews, a player that, or Brian Edwards, pardon me, a player that I talked about on this podcast a lot. I love, 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 love him as a player. Loved him as a prospect out of South Carolina. He had the Liz Frank like Hollywood did, had a very quiet rookie year. Comes back. The dude's built like Terrell Owens. I mean, he's, he's 6'3", 220 plus. 
Uh, he's a physical player. He also has a huge catch in Mar- against Marlon Humphrey at the end of regulation, runs a dig route. The Ravens had a kind of really shitty ideology. I, that was my, my least favorite call of this entire game. It was not anything that happened in cover zeros. There's three cover zeros total throughout this whole game out of 56 dropbacks. So that's been a little hyperbole. But the end of the game, Vaz, Wink goes with a two-man uh, two man under, like two high man coverage. Then there's they kind of keep in a max protection. They did max protection quite a bit against the Ravens. Chris Board and I can't recall the other player are just standing in no man's land. They didn't rush the passer and they didn't go help in coverage. So you, know, you kind of just give the Raiders a free play. Brian Edwards runs maybe an 18 yard dig, 15 yard dig, and uh, moves the ball up towards the midline. And then that moves to the next part, which is Dan Carlson hitting a 55 yarder to tie the game. That was nuts. That was an amazing kick. The dude blasted that thing. It would have been good from at least 60 it looked like so that was a, a really great kick by him and i think that goes overlooked and how crazy this game was it was a tough game for sure the ravens i thought lost the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball um but you have to remember they're a decent team they're a 500 team 500 type team they had a good offense last year and they were a home dog on monday night and home dogs always come out frisky on monday night I think it was a game that most of us expected to win, but the rash of injuries and of two key ones with Gus and Peters just a few days before kickoff, it's hard to recover from. So I felt there was some good. I thought Lamar played pretty well. It was nice to see the connection to Sammy Watkins. I thought Hollywood played pretty well. Um, on defense, I, th- I thought we saw some encouraging signs out of some of the edge rushers. The, the interior pass rusher certainly did not provide enough push. Um, Queen was up and down, had some great plays, still working out the kinks. It's the first week, and I thought on, there were some lapses on both sides of the ball. I saw the play you highlighted where the two pullers, they were pulling from both sides, and they ran into each other, and I don't necessarily know if that was by design. I saw a couple other plays where I thought one play they had Renfro tripled, and someone else was running free deep. Uh, there were just lapses. It happens. Week one. It, it's week one, and they had a very, very tumultuous training camp and preseason with the injuries and Lamar and COVID and everything. So it's unfortunate. It's a tough game. It's a division, or excuse me, a conference game. So you hate know, to lose that one. Four months from now, that could come into play tiebreaker wise. But it is what it is. A crazy ending. So move on to week two. Right. Just a couple other things I want to touch on, you know, Chuck Clark and Deshaun Elliott both had some really bad missed tackles. Elliott with two really bad missed tackles, especially on that Josh Jacobs touchdown run. Uh, You brought up Patrick Queen there. Probably his best game as a pro. I think against the Bengals last year, he was on fire, but the Bengals stunk on ice. Uh, and, And you're talking about, you know, week one. I think the part that I underestimated and maybe a lot of people did was, you know, I was anticipating Gus Bradley coming in and making this defense better in Las Vegas. I didn't know he was going to make it that much better in week one. They were disciplined. There weren't a ton of blown coverages. Uh, they kept everything in front of them. They didn't miss a lot of tackles. And you're talking about these injuries that compounded. Uh, the, the blocking from the Ravens offensive line, Sports Info Solutions has Stanley with two blown blocks, which doesn't sound like a lot, but Stanley only blew two blocks and I think 580 snaps last year. So that goes to show how elite he was before this injury and how you know he, he did struggle a little bit. Villanueva, uh, that missed stunt that <laughs> leads to Tyson Williams having to cross Lamar Jackson's face and try and pick up Carl Nassib, who has five yards of uh, momentum. That that obviously costed them the game. 
So Villanueva with an horrible play there. He missed six blocks. He had six blown blocks by Sports Info Solutions, which I think was the tied for the third most in the NFL. Both the Bills tackles, uh, I think it was actually the fourth, and the Jaguars guard had more. And he had the third worst blown block percentage relative to how many pass blocking snaps he played or snaps in general in the uh, in the entire NFL. So Villanueva with an aberrant start. A lot of things there. Uh, you know, I thought Odafe away looked damn sharp. I thought really the defensive front in general was was quite nice. Uh, they pressured Carr a lot. They got a couple sacks there. Queen with a great blitz. Odafe away with an outstanding string, kind of strung together three moves in one on that sack. You see it at first and you think, oh, wow, you know, uh, you know, kind of just came off the line, hustled, gets a sack. Well, comes off the line. He goes to a swipe into a rip and that, you know, worked a little bit, but failed. Uh, and then he just spins back and then goes and chases him down. So there was a lot more nuance to a quote unquote hustle sack than it appeared. Kept himself alive, kept himself in the play. That was a big sack to uh, halt that Raiders drive, I think, at the end of the first half. So big, big stuff there. But yeah, Jake touched on a lot of it. I uh, thought Lamar generally was, went, you know, it seemed, he made plays with his legs. He always is going to do that. Uh, the fumbles were bad. He made some plays with his legs. To me, there were really only like two or three strong throws from him. Obviously, the Sammy Watkins one being the best. The line wasn't great, and it's, it's easy to go say, oh, well, you know, he, he didn't play well when he was pressured, but Derek Carr did play well when he was pressured. So Lamar, you know, makes one great play, Hollywood Brown throw. That was a fantastic play. You can, you can call that a big-time play, big-time throw, whatever PFF calls it, the one to Sammy Watkins. But uh, generally it was, you know, an up-and-down game for him, and then he was a little streaky, a little inconsistent, and uh, looking for him to try and get it together, but it's really tough when you're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs coming to town. So let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Have you gotten a chance to go back, Vaz? And uh, I know you watched that Browns-Chiefs game pretty intently. How are you feeling about this Chiefs team? Just general thoughts to open up. Um, they're a tough team. They're a tough team. Mahomes has never lost in September, undefeated. I think he, he's thrown 35 touchdowns and no picks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he... Uh, in September. They're a tough matchup for the Ravens. They really are. It's a week-to-week league, just to put a bell on the, the Raiders conversation. Just you're on the road on Monday night, you know, that's, you take them to overtime. I mean, it's not like you got blown out. But this is the worst, in my view, toughest matchup for the Ravens in the entire NFL. I, I fully agree with you, Vaz. I believe that this is, I think this is going to be a really tough matchup in terms of what you said. It's matchups. These two teams know each other really well. They've now exchanged players, Sammy Watkins, Orlando Brown. They know each other even better. And as we know, people, people really low on Wink Martindale, it seems like, coming out of this Raiders game, which, which to me is just a little bit crazy. You lose an all-pro corner. You know, he holds him to 10 points through three quarters. And if Westry gets dunked on, Marlon Humphrey can't cover somebody to lose the game there. There, there. there was bad execution. Could Wink have improved? Absolutely. Can every week. But these teams know each other. And it's just going to keep getting uglier and uglier the more times they play. They're, they're going to be, you know, countering counters and things of that nature. And again, it's going to come down to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, as it does every single time you play the Chiefs. The Ravens open with a brutal stretch of tight ends. They have to play Waller. Probably, I mean, if you want to argue that Waller is is a maybe a more dangerous pass catcher than Travis Kelsey, I, I don't, I'm not going to say, hell no, you can't even say that. After but those the catch. Are, exactly. After the yeah. catch, he's fast. He can run. He's, you know, Kelsey does great things. I can have that argument. I, I can see that argument if you want to. I'm not going to shoot it down. But you're talking about the two biggest, large, physically large matchup problems receiving-wise in the NFL in back-to-back weeks. I mean, that route that Waller ran on, I believe, Chuck Clark, and then Elliott comes up, and they both whiff, that was a disgusting route. He had such good body control for someone of that size. You're going to go see it again in Travis Kelsey. And it's gonna. you have to think there's going to be similar results. 
It's not the first time seeing Travis Kelsey. He's never, Kelsey's never really kind of crushed the Ravens. I don't think he's ever had this like, you know, 150, 13 catch, three touchdown game. But whenever you need him on third down, he finds a way. I thought Jimmy Smith played him quite well last year, but guess who's hurt? Jimmy Smith. Yeah, Kelsey's the tough one. Um, The Ravens have had a hard time covering tight ends for three out of the four years of Martindale's uh, while he was coordinator. The one year that they were really good, I think one of the best in the league, was when they had Earl Thomas. And that's why we've been saying we'd like potentially to invest a high draft pick in a rangy safety because that's really the player that – that can neutralize a tight end like that. So I think this game, they have no choice but to bracket Kelsey uh, with Clark and somebody underneath, unless Jimmy is healthy. But I mean, Jimmy's barely practiced in a month, and I don't know if he didn't trust play. him to that to that level. So I think you have to bracket Kelsey uh, pretty much almost every play of this game. And the Ravens don't do it, but you're you're gonna want st- to. I mean, there's the Bill Belichick school of thought, which is. And, and this is kind of more towards Hill, but it's you take right. one guy out of the game and then you put your you put your number one corner on the second option. Mm-hmm. So if you want to bracket Kelsey, Marlon Humphrey is following Tyreek Hill. And hey, man, at the end of the day, you're, you paid Marlon Humphrey $100 million. I know that he's a little banged up. He's playing. He, he always has. He throws his body around and we love him for it. It's it's, you know, what makes him a special player in so many ways, his physicality. But without Marcus Peters. I don't know that you can have a conversation with him as a coaching staff and be like, you know, tone it down, but you can, you can definitely say, pick your battles versus your wars, uh, you know, save that for the the key third down late in the game, instead of wrecking your body over a play on, you know, second down on your, on the opponent's side of the field in the middle of the second quarter, uh, yeah. they, they need him to stay healthy and got to ask him to cover Tyree kill in this scenario. And if you can't put two on Kelsey and put Humphrey on Hill, then you can't stop him, and that I is agree. what it is. You're gonna, I, th- I think Marlowe's going to have to shadow the shadow hill, and he is maybe the toughest cover in the league. But you know, you wish him good luck. You hope he can limit him. You hope he can neutralize him. Use that physicality to his advantage if he can get his hands on him. And and then you have the rest of your your defensive backs and linebackers that can help. Uh, just kind of limit, keep it in front of them. That's what I'm hoping for the rest of the weapons because the Chiefs don't have the Sammy Watkins or the the great third threat that they've had in, in other seasons. They want to line up Robinson on the outside, but they have to be prepared for Hardman because Hardman's burned the Ravens. I think he caught a 50-yard touchdown against them last year. Yep. They're going to put him in the slot, and they're going to say, Tavon Young, chase him. Uh, because I don't want Tavon Young on him. I would rather see Anthony Averett on him. Avert and Avert, it can run. I mean, that's one of his biggest strengths. So Avert maybe can match Hardman, but I think you do. You have to put Humphrey out there on that island and say Shadow, Shadow Hill, bracket Kelsey, and Mahomes going to have to go to the third and fourth and see where it goes from there. And that's what's so dangerous is we're we're talking about this. All of these things are things that are going to happen in man coverage. And that is what makes the Chiefs so dangerous. You go back and look at the way the Buffalo Bills have played the Chiefs, you know, twice last year. The first game, they did everything they could to run a very basic defensive scheme to keep everything in front of them, not dissimilar from what the Raiders did to the Ravens. And it worked. It worked to an effect. But Patrick Mahomes will eat you alive. In that AFC Championship game, they said, all right, Patrick, throw it underneath, which is kind of the thing that teams are asking Lamar Jackson to do right now. 
beat us underneath. Prove you can beat us underneath on the quick stuff. Let's keep everything in front of us. Limit explosive plays. And guess what? He averaged like 5.5 air yards per per throw. I think he threw for like 300 yards. Screens, the ones they hit the Chiefs, the Bills with last year, the ones they hit hit the Ravens with last year. Um, So that's why Patrick Queen is a really intriguing player to me. This is going to be a real opportunity for redemption, I suppose, for Patrick Queen, who didn't get picked on by Travis Kelsey. He didn't get picked on by Tyreek Hill or anything like that. He he did lose uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire once, and Pat Mahomes didn't throw an accurate ball or called downfield on like a seam-to-corner route. But they picked on him with screens. They right. picked on him with misdirection. They got him lost. They got the entire Ravens defensive front lost. So this is the opportunity for Patrick Queen, who I thought looked damn improved, especially in coverage, especially gaining depth, especially flipping his hips and using that 4-5 speed. He looks thinner. He looks faster. He looks more confident. So this is a redemption moment for him to be able to go play lights out, go play against Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, his former LSU teammate. They have a really close relationship. And this is my dumb fan brain take, is that Patrick Mahomes is going to play lights out in front of a loud Baltimore crowd. I believe that man is so emotionally driven, you know, not dissimilar from freaking Ray Lewis. He's not quite the insane person that Ray Lewis is, you know, borderline mentally unstable and (laughs) crying, crying in the tunnel before games. But I think he feeds off of emotion. I think he feeds off of the crowd a ton. And I think he's going to play a nice game. I think he'll be able to do some things. Um, you know, looking at Queen, I think last week was a great way of looking at kind of maybe his potential versus also what he's never going to be. He has really short arms. He has 74 inch arms, or excuse me, he has uh, 30, 32 inch arms and a 74 inch wingspan. That's going to lend to missing tackles. And that's also going to lend the fact that he's not going to be able to reach out and lock out like Malik Harrison, who has an 80 some inch wingspan can and kind of engage with arm length. He's going to have to beat offensive linemen to their spot. He did it a couple of times. He didn't do it a couple of times. So we see those two limitations. But other than that, the kid can run, the kid can hit, the kid can be smart, all of those things. So I was really happy to see. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, he's, he's I don't think he's ever going to be able to be a Bobby Wagner with 83 inch freaking, you know, orangutan arms. But uh, I think this is going to be a nice game for him. Otherwise, I, I haven't gotten to watch a ton of Chiefs tape yet. I didn't really get to look at their run game too much, but it just feels like it's going to be round round four. Wake Martindale and Andy Reid going at it and uh, trying to trying to deal with the deception that the Chiefs use, all these fake screens, fake looks, you know, look, no-look throws, all that, all that shit. The Chiefs are getting so cocky about, you know, oh, I just throw it up for Travis, I just throw it up for Tyreek. That's a bunch of bull crap. They've done this stuff a thousand times at this point. When you do something that many times, it's not like backyard anymore. They know what they're doing. Uh, they have this schoolboyish you know, kind of grin about the way that they just play backyard football. And I just think it's a load of crap. They've rehearsed this stuff. So uh, on the topic of Queen, they didn't, I think Andy Reid picked on him. Right. That's what I meant to say. That, right. You, right. I think you, you basically took the words out of my mouth because that's in my notes here. It's a big game for Queen from a processing standpoint, I think. And we'll see. He spent a lot of time grinding tape and studying and working on his, his reactions and instincts. Um, and he against uh, Edward Solaire is a big matchup. I think Wink does need to slightly break tendency as far as the blitzing so much. Uh, according to PFF, Mahomes has six touchdowns, zero interceptions, and 134 passer rating in his games against the Blitz, against the Ravens in his career to date, which is uh, which is not great. Um, I really think this is a game to abandon stopping the run. So basically what I mean by that is 
I want to see less Brandon Williams on the field. A whole Played lot way less. too much last week. 30 pass rush snaps last week. Way yeah. too much. They need they need to get Matabike more involved. They need to get McPhee uh, some more steps with down on his down lineman, Ferguson as well. And I do think that they can run some games on that right side. They have three rookies on the right side. They have uh, Humphrey, Trey Smith, and uh, Niang, who who opted out. He's a red shirt. Yeah, he's a red yeah, shirt. He's a red shirt. So three rookies. I don't want to see. I think they can still be very creative with the pass rush, but. I'd like to see a few more numbers kept back in the coverage. I think that's a smarter plan against his team, and it's not necessarily in his DNA, but I would much rather have Kansas City march, have to march down the field with a methodical drive, and maybe you make a play, and maybe Matabike, you know, gets a tackle for loss and gets him behind the sticks or something like that. Then the quick strike, high octane, and the next thing you know, you look up at the scoreboard and you're down by three scores in the first quarter and you're chasing the game the rest of the game. Spot on. Make them make them churn up clock. Make them keep plays in front of you. That's that's the way you have to beat a really explosive, talented offense like that. What what Wink did last year, well, especially on the defensive front, was a lot of five-man or four-man rushes, simming pressure, you know, bringing the creepers, all that good stuff, blitzing out of the slot a little bit. And he had the, it felt like the grand plan was to loop Judon. It felt like it was to to crash or slant the line. If you're looking from the defense's perspective, slant them to the left and then loop Judon from the left side all the way to the right, which would be where the left tackle is. They had this grand plan, it felt like, to get Mahomes to roll to his left. Guess mm-hmm. what he did? Rolled to his fucking right. He rolled to his right. He right. want him to roll left. He's going to roll right. He sees that stuff. He's a smart player. So to me, maybe not going with the aggressive stunts where you're looping from one side to the other, but more, you know, the classic stuff we saw Adafi away, get a pressure on, trying to pressure from the outside in a little more, uh, maybe leaving, you know, a, a, a wide front that's going to leave the B gaps unoccupied a little more. You're having three techs and five or nine techs a little bit more than having, you know, a one tech in there, things like that. Using combinations where you might have three outside linebackers on the field. Let's go put Justin Houston, Tyus Bowser, and Adafi away and let them get 10 or 15 pass rushes in these passing situations. And maybe you stick Wolf, who is practicing, Campbell, or Mataboyke. Maybe you use two of those guys, but but let's let's get some three linebacker, you know, speed. I can't think of the right word for it for some reason. Three outside linebackers in the game, but let that be the front a little more. Let McPhee get in there. NASCAR. NASCAR is when you have no defensive linemen. So four. four uh, Jumbo nickel is what I'm looking for, I believe. Uh, or no, not jumbo nickel. It's the exact opposite of that. It's completely escaping me. Putting three outside linebackers on the field. Sure, if you want to use the race car for a couple snaps, absolutely. You can utilize Patrick Queen in that. You can utilize Malik Harrison in that. Um, you know, Harrison got a free rush against Derek Carr late in that game, and Carr just threw up a prayer. And that's the thing. People, what people don't understand, it feels like about Wink Martindale's defense is do they want sacks? Yes, absolutely. They want sacks. Of course you do. Sacks are drive killers. But the real goal is to make quarterbacks either have to take a sack, throw the ball away, or make them throw to their first read. And Mahomes, in my opinion, is, you know, Kyler Murray was doing some crazy stuff this past weekend. We saw Lamar Jackson do some crazy stuff. I think Kyler, or excuse me, I think Patrick Mahomes is the best scrambling quarterback in the league. The way he buys himself time to throw the ball downfield, I think is the most dangerous thing of any player in the NFL. The way he scrambles to throw the ball 20 plus yards downfield is horrifying. So playing outside rush in, making him step up, not letting him drift and utilize his arm strength. I think those are all things that the Ravens defense can do 
to, to engage this pass rush a little bit more uh, and get the ball out a little bit more. You, you kind of can't, you can't let him roll out to one side. He's, he's, he's just athletic enough that if you try to catch him from behind rolling to one side, he can get himself as much time as he needs to find someone. You got to make him step up in the pocket. He'll fight it as much as he can. Orlando Brown, I think, had uh, five blown blocks, which was six most, most in the league. It looked like three of them came on five or more step drops out of shotgun. Mahomes starts running backwards. So it's really tough to get pressure off the middle, but you can't let him split the field in half, make it easy, make him able to see deep downfield as Tyree Kill and all those things. So it's easier said than done, but I think that's a great way to uh, to attack them. And like you said, you know, if, if Clyde Edwards-Alaire beats you, are you as mad as if Patrick Mahomes beats you? No, I think... Uh... It's following that thread. I'd like to see Brandon Stevens. So I think it's an important game for him. He's kind of the next man up in the secondary now. They're going to need him to have some effective reps on the back end. And I'm also excited to see the battles on the edges. I think Odafe away against Orlando Brown Jr. Using that his speed uh, against Orlando's size and length. See how that plays out. As well as Houston on the other side. I think there's actually a chance that the Ravens edge rush group is more talented this year than it has been in previous years. So that bodes in their favor to some extent. Especially having Calais Campbell, who can disrupt and run stunts. Derek Wolf, a guy who's really great at occupying two linemen and crashing and doing some things like that. So uh, McPhee can do that to an extent as well. Those are kind of their three Robins, we'll call them, in the stunt game. The guys that can, you know, get the assist. They're the... The underman. Exactly, exactly. They can go crash. They can occupy, you know, two linemen a little bit and let those speedy guys come through and make plays. I think Queen involved, Away involved, Bowser involved, Houston involved. Feels like the Ravens have the most explosive pass rush they've had from an athletic standpoint, plus having a guy like Houston who's very technically refined. Bowser's no slob. Uh, is, is he refined like uh, Houston? No, but but he can win on a rip. He can win on an inside move. He, he's got a little bull rush to him, so all great points there. Um, you know, and, and the thing that is going to be difficult for the Ravens, I don't have enough time the day to do this. I'm sure that their scouting report or their you know uh, quality control coaches do is figuring out their fucking three-man route concepts, figuring out those, what their favorites are, what their their all-time greats are, what they've done to you, what they do to their common opponents, what they do to divisional opponents who run man coverage, things like that, and having guys like Patrick Queen, having guys like Chuck Clark, having guys like Deshaun Elliott start to be able to recognize their route concepts and hit them. They dress them up a bunch of different ways. They use Tyreek Hill on those boomerang motions, things like that. So at this point, you're playing them the fourth time. How many times are you going to let them fool you with their route concepts, with what they do? Uh, it's you know Andy Reid at his finest. He'll continue to counter, continue to, to throw out some beautiful plays that can make Alex Smith look like a top-five passer, and now he's got Patrick Mahomes, so that is what it is. But in terms of flipping on to the other side of the ball, Chiefs are going to get back Matthew. They're going to get back Frank Clark, it looks like, who's been a full participant, I think, today, was limited mm-hmm. yesterday. So Ravens without Ronnie Stanley, Macari's coming in. You've got Alejandro Villanueva going back to the left side. I didn't see him take a single snap on the left side this entire camp. They wanted him to really learn that right tackle position. So how do you see the Ravens sustaining successful drives or generating explosive plays? Um, I think Lamar's going to have to put his cape on again. I think you're, it's going to it's going to require a, a super superhuman effort from Lamar. Um, the Chiefs have three, excuse me, nine sacks in three in their previous three games against the Ravens. That was with uh, Orlando Brown Jr. and Ronnie Stanley healthy. And at one know, point, Marshall Yonda. And Yonda. Uh, so they had trouble keeping Lamar clean. Chris KC, Jones, a wrecking crew. 
and they and they bump they bump Jones out to uh, the strong side defensive end. He runs a lot of his steps there. Clark's back too. They give him trouble. Um, so the only thing besides that is they do have a third weapon in the passing game, which they haven't had in previous meetings. Sammy Watkins. So I think obviously running the ball is a bread and butter. Uh, I know we'll get into that a little bit more, but utilizing Sammy. Um, I think you, you, maybe you hit him with some crossers, some, some short intermediate crossers with Sammy and Hollywood and try to get some yak and just run the ball. And hopefully Tyson Williams, they have those uh, mesh point issues straightened out because they're definitely going to need some of that deception misdirection to, to keep uh, the D-line at bay. Spot on. The one thing from another game that really struck a chord with me in a similar situation, the Cowboys open against the Bucks week one. Cowboys have Dak Prescott coming back from injury. Everybody's talking about that hard knocks, yada, yada. Dak throws the ball a ton. They, you know, the Ravens aren't going to abandon the run like that. The, uh, I don't think the the Chiefs are an effective run stuffing unit the way that the Bucs are. The Bucs are maybe the best, you know, run defending team in the NFL over the last two, three, four years. The Cowboys threw 11 RPOs and had great success on them. Uh, that mitigated the pass rush, being able to, to put the key on an end or on a linebacker. Of course, the Cowboys have Amari Cooper. The Cowboys have CeeDee Lamb. They have uh, Michael Gallup, who got banged up. But they threw 11 RPOs, and they had six screens. Uh, I think they threw, or excuse me, they threw eight screens, and five of those screens were attached to RPOs. So the Ravens threw three this past game, or I mean, this past week. It was a couple days ago. But this past week against Las Vegas, all three of them were in the first half. Two of them were screens. One was to Duvernay, one was to Hollywood. All of them were on first down. So I think mixing in RPO, and again, I've talked about it on this podcast. Everyone thinks this is some RPO offense. It's all the Ravens do. They're like, they run on a percentage basis, like the 16th most RPOs in the NFL. And you can hand the ball off and people are going to retort to that. Well, Tyson Williams in the mesh point. Blah, blah, blah. RPOs can be a pass call that just has a slight run option. You don't have to fully execute. It can look like a play action. What separates an RPO from a play action is the offensive line. The offensive line run blocking, advancing past the line of scrimmage. That is what sucks up linebackers. That is what makes it so hard to defend. That's why we see there's that classic Warren Sharp ripping on Micah Parsons clip saying how lost he is because he turned and ran. Well, that's robot technique. That's turning and running and finding a crosser because it's an RPO or a similar concept. And you can't gain depth by backpedaling the same way you can by turning and running. So putting that pressure on, I guess, Nick Bolton, who apparently mm-hmm. played quite well for the Browns, putting that pressure on Willie Gay, who I believe was hurt and I think is now healthy and playing. You know how much I loved Willie Gay last year, Vaz. Yeah, those two players putting the pressure on them and Hitchens Hitchens too. Yeah, Hitchens is a run filler. He's played great against the Ravens because they run the ball so much. Uh, So so putting the pressure on those linebackers, they're going to key on Mark Andrews. Everyone keys on Mark Andrews. Start using him as a decoy. If you want to run an RPO, have him go run a post. Take the safety away. Have him be on the other side of the RPO. That means Sammy Watkins is going to have to step up. Maybe a guy like Josh Oliver stepping up. You know, Tylen Wallace, Devin Duvernay, who's now also hurt. Sammy Watkins, I don't know if I already said him, and and God forbid, maybe even James Prochet. Use them on the RPO slants away from wherever Mark Andrews is. Have Mark Andrews run 10 miles in this game. They want to take him away. Everyone does. So send him deep. If you want to throw the ball underneath, send him flying off the line of scrimmage. Send him 30 yards on go concepts, getting a linebacker that's, you know, shading underneath of him and a safety jumping at him. Use him as a decoy. 
start getting the back up, get some one-on-ones for these receivers. And that's why it stinks. There's no Rashad Bateman. That's why it stinks that Marquise Brown is dinged up and it stinks that Devin Duvernay is now dinged up as well. I think he was limited with a groin injury. Hopefully he's okay. Who knows if Hollywood even plays in this game, but it's all really difficult with all these injuries. But at the same time, Cowboys didn't have Zach Martin. They used RPOs. It worked pretty well. It helped to mitigate that pass rush, kept Dak Prescott clean. Cowboys stay in that game. I think they need to follow a very similar game plan to what Dallas did in Tampa Bay. Yeah, uh, it's a great point. I definitely think they're onto something there. Mark Andrews, uh, three receptions for 22 yards last season against the Chiefs. Um, I think he had like the same stats last week too. Yeah, uh, Sorensen, if they can get him keyed up on Sorensen, that is maybe when they can attack and, uh, and try to hit Andrews. But it's going to have to, it really is going to have to be Lamar. I mean, it's been Lamar for the last three and a half years. And now more than ever, it's the Lamar show. It really is. He's going to have to, he's going to be under pressure. I don't think that's debatable. Uh, I wish, I wish it wasn't, but it's just tough on a short week. I'm sure that they've been implementing the game plan for this week, somewhat at training camp. They're down they a day had, as well. They're down yeah. a day. They haven't had these guys healthy. They're trying to they're shuffling the offensive line again. Three and out of five offensive linemen will be in a different spot than they were last week. And now you're inserting two new players in Powers and Macari. Right. And they're going to need near flawless precise execution. It, um, but a lot of it always comes out of game script. And that's the one thing that they haven't had working in their favor against the chiefs. So maybe the first quarter they get the ball bounces their way and it's a whole different, a uh, whole different story can be written. Spot on the last, the, the kind of emotional feel, you know, I, I never played in the NFL. I didn't play college football, but you know, I played sports growing up. And when you have all these injuries on your team, I, I, I've been in similar situations where, you know, the kid who was all conference on my football team when I was a sophomore, he, you know, gets busted up, a couple injuries start piling up. It really can deflate you. But if you get a couple bounces the right way, it can erase all of that from your mind. It can make you feel confident. But Chiefs go up by, you know, let's say it's 17 to nothing, 17 to three in this game at some point in the first half. You can, it's really easy mentally to block to say, oh, shit, you know. We don't have Marcus Peters. We're screwed. We don't have J.K. Dobbins. We, you know, the line's all messed. You know, it's really easy to get down on yourself and down on your team because of injuries versus when you're healthy. So staying, doing everything this coaching staff, it can, obviously, this is going to sound stupid, but doing everything that they can to have a positive game flow, positive game script early on is this entire game. At the end of the day, the three classic categories will determine if the Ravens have a chance to win this game. Turnovers third down and red zone percentage being able to convert. If the Ravens get in the red zone, they have to score touchdowns. Don't kick field goals in the red zone. Go for it. If it's fourth and six, fucking go for it. You know, unless for whatever reason you are stuffing the Kansas city chiefs and everyone ripped on John Harbaugh for going for two, which was kind of, you know, in that same vein, but not really a big enough deal. You know, if you get the two point conversion, as opposed to that, go even crazier on fourth down. You have to convert in the red zone. Third down, the Ravens get two sacks on third down. And let's say even in the second half, that is what I think will be the random stat that if the Ravens Mm -hmm. win, they sack Mahomes on third down, you know, outside of kicking range twice in the second half. That is what I think it takes to win. Getting stops on third down, not turning the football over and converting in the red zone. If the Ravens win in all three of those categories, they will have a very strong chance to win. Those are the three most important things. And that is what needs to be emphasized. 
if you get to the red zone, do everything you can to score a touchdown. Be as aggressive as possible. Lamar has to be unconscious when he goes there. Can't worry about throwing a pick on fourth down. Can't worry about anything. Get the ball out, hit it, do it. All of that good stuff. With that being said, I think they're going to get – Chris Jones is going to wreck shop straight up. Makari is over there with, with Zeitler, who I thought Zeitler had a nice game. Growing pains, you know, a couple plays. Brian Baldinger had a great video highlighting some of that. Uh, you know, the, the, the fact that him and Bozeman kind of don't have everything down pat together yet when they're working through zone concepts, things like that. But Chris Jones is going to wreck shop. Uh, I'm sure we'll see a couple great plays out of Lamar. Ravens are ultimately, uh, you know, we'll do predictions. Ravens ultimately, in my mind, say they lose this game. You know, I don't think the Chiefs need to score a lot. Frankly, uh, they like to run the clock out in the second half when they, they're really good at it. Once they get a two score lead, uh, I think the Ravens are going to lose this game. Let's say go with funky numbers. Let's say 18 to 31. That's my prediction. Um, I'm going to go chiefs 34 Ravens 21. I think Andy Reed always has a little bit something special for his former disciple, John Harbaugh. And I think, Mahomes enjoys the uh, the rivalry with Lamar. The Ravens have a chance, but they're going to have to get some, make a play on special teams, steal some possessions, turnovers. They really, they, they're in a tough spot, but uh, it, the ball can go that way. And I'm looking forward to seeing what should be a good game. Spot on. Thank you, Vaz, for hopping on. We'll uh, we'll get Jake to, to make a little video, give his predictions as is tradition. But thank you so much for joining me, Vaz. Tough time for the Ravens. Ultimately, I do think, you know, if they can if they can have a Ted Lasso-like ceremony to maybe go light some cleats on fire uh, at the 50-yard line in M&T Bank Stadium, hey, maybe they can, they can get on the right side of the injury bug. I'm writing a little article about the offensive line and kind of the troubles they've had and what's gone wrong over the last couple of years, which includes Orlando Brown wanting to not play right tackling more, things like that. But we appreciate it. Thank you so much. There is an interview attached to this. It's going to be Mr. Cole Jackson, who uh, we have not, been able to have on here for some stupid reason until now, but I'm excited. Cole was able to get in and uh, really grind tape for, for his programming for Alejandro Villanueva. So we're going to talk all of that on the interview. hope you guys enjoy the preview. Enjoy the episode this week. Enjoy the, uh, the Grecian God, Vasily Ricos <laughs> himself. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoy the interview. Make sure to leave five stars, all that good stuff. Share it with a friend. You can find us on Twitter at be more beatdown. You can find us on Instagram at Baltimore underscore beatdown. Find us at baltimorebeatdown.com at Jake Luke. That's L O U Q U E at Vasily's beatdown. Perfect. You got it. And at Ravens for dummies. That's me. As you guys know, we have it on the screen, YouTube as well. Like subscribe, all the stuff everybody tells you to do. We appreciate it. Enjoy the interview with Cole. Thank you so much. And have a fun time. That's what I want to get out of here. Last words. If you're going to the game, have a fun time. First football in two years at M&T Bank Stadium. It's a beautiful thing. It's a Sunday night game. Ravens probably going to get wrecked. Chris Jones might have five sacks. That's okay. I wasn't planning on drinking very much. I like to be relatively sober for the game so I can remember. That's not going to happen. I'm getting really <laughs> drunk on Sunday night. So I'll, uh, I'll be tweeting out. Come meet up. Come, come tailgate. All that good stuff. We appreciate you guys for listening. Have fun. Enjoy it, especially if you're going to the game. I know it stinks. The Chiefs coming to town at the worst possible time. But football's back. We're back in stadiums. Stay safe, all that good stuff. Appreciate you guys. Enjoy the interview. What's up, buddy? Oh, what's going on, Cole? All right, we now welcome on a very special guest. We're doing it a little bit live here. I'm, I'm flowing on through, full uh, behind-the-scenes disclosure. But we now get to welcome on the man that we talk to every day but have not had on this podcast, <laughs> even though I talk to him on Twitter every single day pretty much, especially during the year, for the last probably two years. It's Cole Jackson of Two Guys Watching Football. How you doing, buddy? 
I'm doing good, brother. How about you, man? It's been uh, it's been an exhausting day. I got my uh, got my heating pad here. I was doing shoulders at the gym. I'm I'm banged up just like the rest of the Ravens. So it's been a day, man. It's been a day. Yeah, the uh, the the weapon Cole Jackson is on the injury report. He's uh, he's getting some good H two O. He's hydrating. He's he's staying ready. I think he's got a fresh buzz cut there not too long ago as well. Beard looks good. Love to see it. What were you uh, What were you hitting in that gym? Traps. Uh, a little bit of traps, you know, I, I, I tore my rotator cuff uh, back in high school and it, I haven't been able to get it right. I can't do anything over my head. So it's been, uh, you got to get pretty creative if on shoulder day when you're, uh, were you just can't. pressing and it went, uh, it was actually, uh, it was actually playing football when I was in grade 10, I was playing middle linebacker and, uh, I didn't get my head across on a tackle and the guy dragged my shoulder and it mm. tore my rotator cuff. I got it better through physio. And then when I was playing box lacrosse, when I was like 21 years old, um, just had like a weird kind of hit in, in the in the corner and uh it went again and now it's just it's it's gone i'm not i'm not paying for physio to fix it it's um it's only like overhead stuff right so now that i'm like 29 and not playing sports it's really not a big keep deal. it keep it under shoulder width and you're good baby exactly. I've, I've got the same thing i got a ton of scar tissue in there this bad boy <laughs> pops every time i roll it uh, makes it makes you makes you laugh eh? when you look back at the days where you were playing sports and you're like playing through the injuries like what's damaging it scar it? tissue that's, that's what i mean like, years later. and i went nowhere <laughs> yeah you're just you're just doing everything wrong in the gym when you're 16 years old exactly. just lifting as heavy as you can getting those gains and having no idea when you're 28 years old your shoulder won't be able to do anything that's, that's uh that's my situation as well so i feel you every 15th time i work out i think my back goes <laughs> out so that's uh hey this is 40 i'm paul rudd <laughs> exactly spot on so appreciate you coming on cole and we wanted to come on and obviously we we touched on it a little bit uh before in the you know precursor to this interview ronnie stanley the ankle's bugging him who knows what's going to happen there whether that's going to be an ir whether that's going to be a cleanup surgery whether that's going to be a one-week ordeal we don't know probably at least two weeks i would think uh worst case i would think probably like a month and a half or two who knows but uh, we, we, you know, get to look back at a very piss poor performance from Alejandro Villanueva that you did a great job breaking down on two guys watching football going through. And I, you know, I watched your video full disclosure. So let's get right into it. Alejandro Villanueva Sports Info Solutions has him with six blown blocks. He uh, probably failed to execute his assignment a few more times than that or, or just generally lost after not being able to anchor properly, things like that. And watch your video. It was great stuff. Watched your your entire content on it. And you were talking about his set point a lot. So if you wanted to jump into Big Al and, and what you saw and everything is going to be switching sides now, it's it's a mess. It is. And like, I, it's been a very timely period for this conversation, given all of the buzz from like, you know, George Foster and Brandon Thorne and Duke Mayweather and, the, you know, the big dogs on Twitter talking about Penny Sewell making that switch because he looked god awful when he played right tackle in the preseasons. But it's kind of the same thing as as AV in the sense that like, I mean, some guys just aren't you know they're they're not athletic enough they're not strong enough you know etc cetera, etc cetera. but with av even and like it's i'm not saying that this means it's going to be fine and he's going to be um you know better up to like a, a, a better level moving forward but with av you can identify the problem clear as day and that at least is encouraging right and it's it's the same concept it's you're switching your drive leg your kick step leg whatever you want to call it um to the complete opposite leg and it's like your your dexterity it's you go go to the bathroom right now and wipe with your opposite hand 
use a fork with your opposite hand like it, it's tough and it's you know it's it's not quite the same but it's similar and some guys just struggle and the the, the ironic thing in all of this and i probably should have put some clips in from the preseason because it was so much different in the preseason. Like he struggled with it in game one and then games two and three, it looked fine. He was getting out there. He was getting uh, his butt down and he was hitting his punch timing. And so, I mean, on one hand it's, it, it, and he was playing against ones in preseason two, doing that, or at least high level twos. Um, so I don't think it was just like rotational like, players at worst. Right. And, and the Carolina game, it's not like he was playing against, you know, Christian Miller. It was, he had Brian Burns and he had uh, Hassan Reddick. Those, those were the guys in the first two series. So I mean, but, but is it preseason? So they're not going as hard. Is it the speed? Did Max Crosby just play out of his mind? Um, it, it, I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's the, it was a set point. It was clear as day. And as soon as he adjusted a set point, Crosby adjusted to it. And then the, the snaps in the uh, second half were losing on inside counters or inside counters that set up spins. And so, I mean, on one hand, it sucks. Um, he played poorly. On the other hand, the it's an identifiable problem, something that's common with switching sides that we're seeing with another high-level player in Penny Sewell. Um, so, I mean, that gives you some sort of encouragement, right? <laughs> Spot on. And what I would in baseball, one of the best, most majestic things to watch is like, let's say, you know, Clayton Kershaw running an overlay of two different pitches. If we were able to do an overlay, and that's something I have no expertise in at all, but being able to line up him in those two preseason games versus him in, in Las Vegas, you touch on a couple of things as well. You touch on, you know, guys maybe not going as hard. I feel like they just it's not that they don't go as hard. I feel like they just go harder if that's a stupid thing to say. But you're talking Max Crosby, explosive, elite level testing athlete who doesn't have very long arms. He has to win with explosiveness and also very unorthodox timing kind of movement athlete overall. That man is playing week one in a stadium that has never had fans in it in a new city. He is their, you know, probably their defensive leader, defensive captain, if if not, you know, Casey Hayward or I guess in God, I mean, he's the only one that's been there a couple of years. So Crosby is is the guy that has to make it go, especially for that pass rush. And he did. And you're you're talking about these things about his set point and all that good stuff. Um, you know, he didn't lose every single rep, but do you notice that's why I'm talking about overlays? Do you notice explosiveness out of that kick off the ball? It, does is that the issue? Is he having to kick harder that he's losing his angles does it seem like he's coming off the ball losing fundamentals because he's worried about explosiveness it it, it seemed in the first it, at least in the first quarter especially on that first series because i tweeted it i was like why isn't he moving his feet it, it was seriously just that he was setting like when you get what's a good way to explain this when you get to your set point i almost want to get up and show you but that's not happening i'll probably fall over um <laughs> kevin zeitler in the uh in the, in the way yeah, exactly um so I, I like i think a good way of explaining it is you can see him think he achieves a set point in that one and where stop. It, it went viral right the one where it's the double hand swipe and right and he comes by he stops so what that tells me is he thought he hit a set point so i don't think it's that 
I, I think he seriously just doesn't like he's not comfortable to the, the feel. feel. It's mental. It's exactly. all mental. It's timing. It's counting. It's you know. Feel. If, if he was worried about the explosiveness and he was just worried maybe about oversetting, exactly. And maybe that happened a bit in the second half where he's losing on inside counters. You know, he was getting beat on the outside edge, so you know he's kicking, 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 and you can notice it in Crosby. I didn't really focus on Crosby's pass rush plan. That probably would have made it a little bit more interesting because there were a few snaps that I didn't include but you could see these inside outside hesitations from Crosby that he used Where to he's create giving that himself space. a three-way go through you inside and, you around and you. it's exactly what you're talking about he can't get in if you get in tight with a guy with 37 inch arms you're he's gonna wash you right inside so and he's trying to get to his set point so he can use that length because the two reps that I showed where Villanueva was successful he got to that point he hit his punch and Crosby had no counter he he doesn't have enough strength in his upper body to kind of wash his hands off of him. So the whole key to Max Crosby's pass rush plan was to keep Villanueva's hands off him. And that, so he used a lot of those inside outside hesitation moves to try and get the punch timing off. And so not getting to a set point plus punch timing being off and the result Crosby is was trying to threaten and then set himself up to counter as opposed to bull and push the issue. He wasn't trying to win with early hand placement. He has 32 inch arms. Villanueva has 37 inch arms. So all, all great stuff there. Um, general, and that's what didn't make sense to me because when you have Lamar Jackson at quarterback, you're playing right tackle, not the blind side. Lamar can see a bit, maybe not always, maybe he's reading to his left, whatever. He's going to be blind sometimes, but keeping a guy pinned in Lamar's vision, giving up those inside moves and using that length as your counter oversetting versus, you know, not getting to that set point. Like you're saying feels like the better way to lose. Yeah. Would that would that be a solution that you see at all, or does that not make any sense? Not any I point. would, I if if I'm him and I have confidence in my punch, where I, if I can get my hands on him, and he did try, I I would try and quick set and try and use my inside hand against. He quick, him. He, he had some some kind of like in between quick and forty five sets that I saw where it was like uh, a little no man's land, but he did quick set. I, I sent my video to a couple guys to get some feedback and they kind of disagreed with the quick set I shot. They or showed, they think he was going for a 45. It just kind of came out a little quick. Hard the to quick set a guy. Funky. Well, when you're out on a nine tech, it's kind of, well, maybe not a nine tech, but like he was pretty wide on him quite a few He's times. He's a wide five. Wide yeah. Five. No, a nine has, a, people, people throw around nine tech <laughs> too willy nilly. Nine tech's got to be on Jupiter. Yeah. Know? And there were a few where he's pretty far, but like, cause someone's like, well, why wasn't AV? Quick setting him, and it's just like he's he's quick too, setting what? <laughs> quick set what? Quick You're gonna, you got to quick set four stop times. You might as well just go forty five or go vertical. So I mean, it's uh, I, I thought he was trying. He may have been trying. He may have been quick setting in his mind, but he had to go so far, and that was part of Crosby's pass rush plan. I'm gonna keep him away from me. I don't want his hands anywhere near me. Um, I'm gonna you know stay wide, and it's the same idea with uh, Nasib strip sack. They attacked him wide, right? So I'm gonna line up. As a five, he was in uh, Crosby was in a true five there, and Nasib came outside, right? So that was another nightmare of a of a of a play. Like that was just that was that was just a complete lapse to notice yeah. what was happening around him. That was like it's almost like that was. Someone asked me, they're like, what happened? I'm like, I think he was seriously sitting there in his stance before the snap going, this guy's been kicking my ass all night. Like, I'm just not going to take my eyes off him. And then, like, he Nasip goes right behind him before the snap. Like, how do you over, not see it? Overtime, week one, Alejandro Villanueva is 32 years old. Yes. You know, he, he probably beat the crap out of his body in the Rangers, whatever the stuff he did, all that good stuff. So it's tough. The other aspect of that to me that's funky, 
that stadium had to be loud as hell. That stadium had to be rocking. What does that mean? Silent count. You see Zeitler flagging yep. Bozeman. Hey, Bozeman, snap, snap, yeah. flagging him with a hand over and over. You don't get any advantage of knowing the count, nothing like that. So maybe that can help slowly. We won't really get to know because he's now he's on the left side. So we don't get to go look at week two and week one and say, did he improve? Did he do this? Did he do that? And now he's going to go instead of if let's say in you know a, a fantasy land, Stanley can play week two. He's going to be on the right side. Guess who's going to be on the right side? Chris Jones. So you're going to deal with a very different style player than Max Crosby. Now it's going to be Frank Clark on the left side. So he hasn't practiced there. It's in his wheelhouse, hopefully. Penny Sewell, you know, same kind of deal. You're referencing him. Played left at Oregon. He's left. He's left. He's left. Oh, they put him at right. He struggles. They throw him at left. He looks way better. Not that Villanueva is ever that great. He's not this elite player, but he was a solid pass protector for six, seven years in Pittsburgh. Absolutely. And now it's going to be like, if he struggles, it's like, oh, we can't play him anywhere. And it's like, what if he started that adjustment? It's the same as when we move Phillips inside and then back outside. And you can go, I mean, you could even do it with an overlay like you're talking about. You could look at his footwork and you can see, you know, he started to adjust in the week four Eagles game last year, week five, whatever it was. Um, you start seeing those quick little stutter steps with, that you want to see from a guard. And then they kick him back out to tackle. And now his stride length's not long enough, right? So it's like, I I have my expectations in check for him moving back to the left side. Like, I I think he might struggle a little bit now that he was trying so hard especially to make that transition. early in the game, especially <laughs> early in the game. And then again, at the end of the game, guess what? He's probably gassed. Like exactly. Twitter's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> it's, it's no man's land. Fire, fire Harbaugh, fire Roman, shoot Alejandro Villanueva into the sun. He's a traitor for the Steelers. No, he's just having a little bit of a hard time. New side, new team, week one, overtime game. You know, there's excuses, but he didn't play well at the end of the day. So all that good stuff. But we like to look at why. And, you know, I don't want to keep you too long. It's uh, Thursday night football coming on. You've got work to do yourself, working man. But I just wanted to touch on the other four. And I guess the other five, because Powers comes in. Yeah. And and what you saw there, I guess, you know, let's avoid Stanley. Because uh, Stanley's going to, you know, be on the shelf. Yeah. He, we, we saw he wasn't quite the same. He was okay. He wasn't good. Uh, but, but talking Bozeman, talking, I guess, Powers specifically, and talking Zeitler, what'd you see? Uh, so big thing with Bozeman, I thought he was super solid. He didn't do anything that, uh, like for first game at center since 2017, where he's starting, you know, full slate of snaps. Like you, you can't be happier with, or you can't really expect more. He, he did, he did his job. Um, you know, he, he lost a few blocks. He, uh, there was one reach block he missed, but it's just like, didn't not a miss. Like he didn't blow the block, but he just, you know, he didn't quite get the shoulder, but you can see exactly. He, lost the rep. he, he didn't win the rep. Exactly. And that's going to happen. You're not going to win every rep in a game. Um, but you know, it's, it's what I've been saying for three years. He's in more of a phone booth. He's able to, he doesn't need to, you know, kick step three times into a pass pro set he's you know, he's more head up on a guy. Um, I was impressed specifically with, I mean, he didn't, play like a you know a, a real dog at the zero shade or the one shade but you know he his, his functional strength looked good which i think some people had a concern with you know it was he wasn't athletic enough to play guard he wasn't strong enough to play center it was kind of that tweener vibe so i felt pretty good about that i liked his technique i thought he had really good hand placement um powers comes in still struggling in pass protection but looked pretty good in the run game he's very which is just crazy to me because it's the exact opposite coming out of college he was an elite (laughs) elite pass protecting guard who couldn't move a mouse at oklahoma unless he was moving he he, he had a heck of uh, incredible pulls and then he gets here and it's like 
this guy can't pass protect. And it's the same problem. He's got, if guys get his upper body out of function, like if his posture is threatened at all, he has, you know, the same amount of core strength as me to kind of recuperate. And it's, he core ends strength up, definitely seems like it's his weakness. And that's it, why he ends up on his butt. Watches, watches inside leg every time, you know, his, his post leg, it's dropping in behind or at least parallel with his, with his kick step. And it's, it's no bueno. That's not how you, that's how you lose inside. And you can't lose inside when you're playing inside, especially um, it just shortens up that path to the quarterback. So um, I don't think he allowed any detrimental pressures or uh, he, he was, I don't know if it was a sack or the ball got out. I can't remember, but there was one pass set where he was on the ground um, and the pressure came up from that uh, left side B gap. So he, it was a mess. I think that was one of the two blitzes they ran. It was, it was definitely a blitz. I just don't think he could have tripped or I don't know what he might've just gotten rocked, but it was like just a, they, they did not see that blitz coming whatsoever. They have no hard count they can use late in the game, all that good stuff. And, and he definitely ended up, you know, getting spun around and then, Is on the ground, so yeah, we're thinking of the exact same combo blocks. We didn't see a ton of them, but he looked damn good working one to two, working inside, and then and going to the second level. It looked really sharp. Was he in on the fourth and one, the long touchdown, or was that Phillips? No, I don't think he was in yet. Maybe Phillips had a good combo that play too. He he cut back to the right side though. He he went between. uh, They had an unbalanced line with uh, right, right, Macari at at left tackle and. Stanley technically is a tight end tight lineup, end, right. uh, and he cut back over. Actually, Villanueva sprung that. He 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 down blocked hard. And he had some great run blocks. He, he was did have he some cleared great run quite a few times. Complete flip. It's like the you know the upside down world for Powers, and then Villanueva in week in week one he was moving bodies in Baltimore, and, and maybe yeah. that's to do with Lamar Jackson, maybe that's to do with Greg Roman, maybe it's to go do with Joe D. All three, um, but but yeah, I, th- I thought Bozeman overall really encouraged. Again, like you said, Ben Powers was really squaring guys off in the run game a few times. Zeitler, you know, uh, Baldy had a great video talking. You know, he he sees Bozeman and Zeitler kind of whiff together because it, you know nobody picked up a guy. And uh, them them talking after, so there was some of those growing pains. But I thought Zeitler was uh, quick setting some one on ones, if I'm not mistaken, a good bit, and and won a lot of those. SIS didn't have any blown blocks for him. He he, you know, didn't win every rep like we just said. But I was generally pretty encouraged. What did you see out of Zeitler, the vet? The only thing I haven't liked about Zeitler, and this includes preseason, is he he's losing a bit of his anchor. Where he has perfect you know setup on a guy, and he's staying square with them, and they're not beating him laterally at all so it's not necessarily that he's losing the block but he's just kind of getting walked back a little bit too much and hip drive well it was that play where it was the touchdown pass to marquise brown um so stanley caused the pressure everybody blamed villain away because everyone hated him at that point but villain away right. completely won his rap wash crosby out of the back of the pocket crosby gets but, there at a bad angle like three and a half seconds in yeah. Yeah. No, that wasn't even a pressure. I'd give Stanley the pressure and I'd give KZ a pressure because he couldn't step up because KZ had that one-on-one. He was just getting walked back. Um, so again, like he, he's not losing the block cause he's square, but it's tough to get walked back from the inside just cause the path is, uh, is shorter to the quarterback. So and I, there was a few of those in the preseason, so I'm not sure, but it, you know, I'd rather, you know, that he's square with the guy, keeping him between himself or keeping himself between the defender and the quarterback. Exactly. And there's none of that going on. So typical vet plays um, there. I think him and Bozeman need to kind of really develop that chemistry on some of the combo blocks. But I mean, that can't really be a surprise. It's it's just, 
it's going to come. And so the big thing for me is I really hope we can keep uh, KZ around here next year. I think that that continuity and, you know, that's the other thing with Bozeman being a free agent. It's like, what are we looking at for the center picture next year? And if he plays, you know, we were talking, you know, maybe not a top five level. I think that's a little extreme, but I think he can he doesn't definitely... have the physical tools of those elite guys, yeah. but he can just be a sure thing that you know, loses reps to, to Mount. So, you know, Cam Hayward's going to beat him one-on-one in a phone boost. Fun to it to name two Steelers, of course. But yeah, uh, and that's, what's crazy about that bills game is the two it's on IR, but um, yeah, I think those two are, are definitely going to develop over time. Ben powers. Uh, we just, the kid had some reps last year. He, he's going to get at least a good bit of reps this year until the point where they're confident in Ben Cleveland, at least if powers doesn't show himself, but you know, the, the thing that really, Cole, you and I have talked about a ton uh, offline is how it affects Lamar Jackson and how the continuity affects Lamar Jackson and looking at what Orlando Brown did uh, in Kansas City. I think he had five blown blocks. And you're going from, from Patrick Mahomes, who's in shotgun, taking five-step drops, versus Lamar Jackson, who's not ever going to five-step drop out of shotgun like that and keep rolling and floating backwards. He's going to stay lateral square his shoulders he wants to work towards the line of scrimmage all those things so it just gives lamar some uncertainty in terms of what looks are going to give him pressure from where and we saw a lot of what we saw last year in week one in my opinion unfortunately which was tucking the ball a little bit putting his eyes down you know throwing balls a little bit late he had a couple big time throws uh he had a couple really nice plays you know he hits marquise brown a couple times he had a really great timing out he hits marquise brown on a crosser the beautiful ball to Sammy Watkins, the beautiful ball where he extends the play, hits Marquise Brown. He looked pretty sharp underneath at times. I think his screens look nice and all those things. But at the end of the day, the lack of continuity also affects Lamar Jackson. It affects his feet in the end. And he doesn't stay throwing ready. He tucks the ball. Chaos ensues, and it becomes any man's game. Offensive linemen don't know what's going on. You got Zeitler in there who's new. Villanueva in there who's new. These guys are both getting accustomed to playing with the quarterback and the quarterback's getting accustomed to then. And, and that feels like it's leaning itself to a lot of uncertainty and uh, some sporadic play. So it's, it's unfortunate, but we knew that was going to be part of the equation in terms of the learning curve, the learning process. Now with Stanley down, it gets even further. Um, so, so my last question before I let you get out of here, you know, looking at the chiefs, what are you looking to see out of this offensive line with the looks the chiefs typically give based on what you've seen? Uh, it's going to be a lot of the same. It's going to be, you know, I think what the Raiders blitz two times. Um, yeah. I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of pressure from the chiefs. I think they're going to use uh, um, like, well, one thing that's been confusing me and maybe you can, I haven't gone back to watch the Browns game yet. Is Chris Jones playing on the edge more nowadays? Like, why are people talking about that? He is I was, playing. Uh, he's playing a Calais Campbell role now. Okay. Okay. So, so that's he's what not I playing figured as much three tech. He's playing more kind of that four I five a good bit. That makes sense. So that kind of answers because I kept seeing people saying that. I was like, what are you guys talking about? So it looks um, like the Chiefs blitzed Mayfield five times <laughs> and he went, yeah, five times. He went four of five for 84 yards when they blitzed him. And that was with five, six, or seven rushers. And in a second, if you want to ad lib on, on what you're looking for, I can pull up what Chris Jones's snaps were like. Yeah, no, I, I think like the biggest thing that bothered me, it wasn't so much like it, when they, when we did see a blitz come, they failed to pick it up, like compare, especially compared to watching the Raiders do it because for an, un, or an, un, an inexperienced line, they picked up blitzes quite well. Like they adjusted extremely well. And, uh, 
you know, it seemed like the two times that the Chiefs or the sorry, the Raiders sent a blitz, they struggled. So I'm expecting like it's it's gotta come down to just winning your one-on-ones. And I know that sounds simplistic, but that was the difference in and this you, game. And you've got to think they're gonna lend a helping hand to whichever tackle or guard is is playing Chris Jones. Well, that was one thing that kind of surprised me is we didn't see we saw chips. Max Crosby got chipped a few times. Um, but we didn't see any sort of six-man protections with the tight end, like throwing Tomlinson out there uh, on AV's side. Um, like I, I mean, if you go to a couple of Derek Carr's throws, they kept seven in a few times um, and just put three out there. And, and at the end of the game, they kept in eight twice. Once that's what I mean. In the fourth like, quarter and then once in overtime. And, and I get it. Like it, it's obviously you want to get, you know, roots out there to try and set things up but that was kind of a difference right and so if you have a guy that's struggling that and the other thing was like we went to empty quite a bit which i it's not that i don't want them to play empty i think you know lamar does it quite well but if you've got a guy that can't even win a one-on-one matchup and is giving up a 25 percent pressure rate like you gotta factor that into your play calling right and they did come out in the second protections you better be you better be looking at chris jones if he's lined up over Macari or lined up over Villanueva and uh, that's the thing though at the end of the day that's going to be Spagnolo's counter if you get them in a five-man protection they're probably going to try and twist on you so that they anticipate you trying to to lend a helping hand from a five-man protection to Chris Jones and then getting a free pressure out of it and on that note if you think I'm not terrified of having powers and AV on the same side in pass protection it's kind of scary it's kind of scary absolutely those guys have never and never high-fived on that side of the line before. No, no. So that's that's definitely something to monitor. Chips, I think RPOs, uh, the the parallel I took to, talked about in the preview is the Cowboys. You know, they don't have Zach Martin in All-Pro, so they run 11 RPOs. They ran eight screens. Five of the 11 RPOs had a screen attached to them. That's a way to mitigate pressure. And also talking about Ricard, Tomlinson running some ace with those two. And, uh, you know, getting those those wings that are able to chip and do those things are all things that you hope Greg Roman does. Will he do them? We shall see. Uh, you know, feels like the Ravens really like their schemes and can be kind of hard headed in these situations on both sides of the football. They want to impose their scheme, their will, their players. But when you're missing Stanley, you're missing Boyle, you're, you know, missing Tyree Phillips. You aren't confident in Ben Cleveland. You got Ben Powers in there missing all these running backs that can help in pass pro. I mean, Tyson Williams is coming into his first NFL game and having to try to take on Carl Nassib across Lamar Jackson's face with five yards of momentum. And everyone's like, Oh, you know, Tyson Williams isn't playing yada, yada, yada. It's because they're trying to mix it up because they don't want these guys getting exposed in those kind of situations. It feels like, so ultimately we'll, we'll see what happens, but, uh, at the end of the day, you know, how, how, how bloody do you think it gets? That's my parting question. I think it's going to be pretty bad. Um, I think it's going to be pretty bad. Uh, I do. I do think the defense is going to play a little bit better. Um, so that at least in the second half, um, you know, defense played pretty well in the first half. Uh, I just, it's not like the chiefs don't really have like an elite defense by any means. Uh, but you know, they got some guys up front that can hunt. And so that's, I'm, who even is there? Who is there? One tech and three tech. I don't even know right uh, now. Nadi, not Nadi. Same Derek Nadi. Yeah, he's a he's a who's, one tech. Who's playing three? They move. They move Chris Jones, so they must like. Whoever so that was my question because I didn't know what everyone kept saying that they're dealing with them on the edge, and I'm like, what edge are you guys talking about? Yeah, Jared so it looks Reed. Like, so, I so it looks they like got he Jared played. Reed. 
So Chris Jones had 46 defensive snaps. He was a five tech on 35, 35 of them. Okay. And then he was an end. So I'm guessing that's a four tech on eight of them, a four or a four I. And then he was at a three on two snaps. Okay. He was at a three tech, which is so crazy. They got Jaron Reed inside with Nandi. Right. Well, that's a problem. Yeah. So Jaren that's going to be Reed's a baller. So that, and then they still got Okafor and, uh, they don't yeah. really have any depth there. So it's, it's Chris Jones on the edge. I mean, that might, the, the problem with Chris Jones, who I think is actually playing the left side. So he'll see Makari. Let's see. That, Jones, I had, he had 16 on the left side, which would be over the right tackle and then 19 on the right side over the left tackle. So it's kind of okay. a split. They're probably running field and boundary type stuff. So what I'd worry about with, with Chris Jones on Villanueva, it's not the speed. I think the speed will be fine. He'll hit a set points. It's, the problems that we've seen when he's faced bigger guys like a Clayus Campbell type where they kind of get low jack his pads up and he's six foot nine and he just can't can't anchor against it um which is it's it's leverage it's not and that's why i've seen a lot of people talk about his functional strength i don't have a lot of concerns with his functional strength i think he's just all exactly i think he's i think i mean he's i feel like he has a lot of upper body strength secretly considering how long his levers are in his arms i've i've seen him able to to move some guys do some things but uh yeah i mean chris jones is gonna be more of a nuanced player quickness at the last second and and winning and trying to run through you so he i mean he'll beat you quick if you quick set him he's going to beat you with a swim move he's going to beat you inside things like that but it's going to be a whole different ball game so kind of death by wind and then death by uh fire in yeah. week one and then week two very different things but appreciate you so much for coming on cole i won't keep you any longer thank you so much uh plug yourself you can definitely find cole's fantastic offensive line work at two guys watching football him and uh, mike crawford and denard who just came on this show as well doing great work over there i might be joining them helping them out with some videos in the, in the near future as well so make sure to check out all cole's work plug yourself plug everything plug everybody that's all i am i'm i'm, ju- I'm just two guys watching football now most of the time i'm one guy watching football the name of my channel doesn't even make sense anymore but uh and cole jackson fb on twitter you know i'm always looking for a good rodeo on twitter so uh you know catch me there and be sure to check out the channel we're doing some fun things over there we're trying to get some more uh some more film out there in the ravens community and do some uh do some some real study of the film so you know that that's what i'm looking to do beautiful stuff i love it the good people you better love it as well uh go over to to cole's youtube page two guys watching football make sure to give those subscribers those views those likes share it with a buddy who loves offensive linemen share it with a former offensive lineman buddy that big kid used to go watch drink 30 beers at the bar (laughs) share it with all those good people cole thank you so much for coming on we'll be having you I would hope a couple more times just to check in on this offensive line. If if they can ever get any sort of, you know, God forbid, a three-week stretch with maybe the same five, that would be really lovely to look at and, and talk about progress and all that good stuff. So I appreciate it, my friend. Thanks a lot. I'd love to highlight some some positive things in the in the film room, that's for sure. But thanks so much, guys. Uh, you know, appreciate everything from you and Jake. I appreciate it, boys. Jake does as well. Thank you so much. And that's all we have for you. Hope you enjoyed the interview. Have a great day. And again, make sure you have fun. If you're going to the Ravens game, especially at MT Bank Stadium, be jolly, be merry. The Ravens might get their asses kicked, but football is back and we have our booties in seats. Thank you so much, Cole. Thank you so much to everyone. And we will talk to you guys on the other side.